Well, I'm so excited about this prayer series, not because of the teaching or input, but because I believe that genuinely prayer changes lives, it changes individuals, communities, it will significantly shape and direct our church, and it will also really allow the kingdom of God to grow in Edinburgh. I think this is massively significant. I felt from the outset of lockdown, and if we keep prayer at the heart of what we do, then we'll be okay. We'll be instead with the Spirit. Really exciting to see how God is working through us as we posture ourselves in a place of prayer. Because we need to constantly posture ourselves in a place of trying to receive from Jesus for vision, for direction, for strength, for anointing, for purpose. We turn to him for our everything as Christians and as a church. I was trying to explain to my son Jensen the other day about the days when we just had four channels and the excitement of Channel 5 arriving. He said to me, what, you just had BBC iPlayer, Netflix, Disney Plus and normal TV. I was like, no, 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 we just had four very average channels. He didn't quite understand how bad it was for us back then. <laughs> but when we eventually got Channel 5, we could just about watch some very mediocre TV if my dad held the aerial in a certain place. Real anticlimax. But it's a bit like that with prayer. We're trying to posture ourselves, trying to position ourselves so that we receive from God. We want his voice, his heart, his purpose, his vision for everything we do. And I really believe this is going to be a really significant time for us as a church as we press into God more than ever for everything, for every decision we make, for every resource we require, for every provision we need. I think it's massively significant and exciting for us as individuals, as communities and as a church. And the truth is when we come to prayer, we need to be careful not to feel guilty. All of us, I'm sure, can think of times where we've fallen asleep when praying, where we've felt that we're not praying enough, or we felt we haven't got the language or words to pray. This isn't a time to feel guilty. This is for everyone. I doubt as many of us who are saying, you know, my problem is I've been praying just too much, really. I'm just too good at prayer. We're all learning and growing in this. And I'd massively recommend the How to Pray book to read on your own, but also in communities, because whether you are a seasoned prayer and you kind of know the ins and outs, and you feel pretty good. It's got good practical suggestions for how we can improve in prayer. Equally, if you're new to it and you haven't got the faintest idea what even prayer is and how to do it, it's just got some really helpful ways of just growing in our prayer life. This isn't about condemning one another or comparing. This is about all of us together growing in our prayer life. It's a lifelong journey. I don't think we ever get there and think I've mastered prayer. We're constantly growing. So today we're looking at intercession, which simply means asking God on the behalf of others to pray for others. Naomi looked at petition last week really helpfully. Next week we're looking at unanswered prayer. And today we're looking at intercession to intercede and pray on behalf of others. I'm going to read from Acts 12 and I'm going to read from Acts 12. I think it'll be on the screen as well. Acts 12. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with the approval of the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. 
I love that, this Christian who has to be held back by four sets of soldiers. This was really over the top, this Christian causing so much havoc because he was determined to see the kingdom of God grow. So he had a soldier either side of him. He had two on the doors, making sure he couldn't escape from the door. And they were on shifts of four rotating to make sure that Peter did not escape. This dangerous Christian, I'd love as a Christian to be described as dangerous myself. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains and sentries to guard his entrance. I love that too. He's about to be executed, but his peace, his joy, his faith is so secure in Jesus that he's asleep. He's at peace. He's at rest. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what was the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gates leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent as an angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognised Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back, were op opening and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. Rather than letting him in, she ran off and told the others, you're out of your mind, they told her when she kept insisting, but it was so. They said it must be his angel, but Peter kept on knocking and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. So it wasn't uncommon in these times to believe in guardian angels, that this could be the guardian angel of Peter, but not Peter himself. They thought he might actually be dead. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. So there he was being chained for his faith. And this isn't a possibility that he'd be killed. This is very real. He'd just seen James be killed for the faith. And this was almost a test case for Herod. Herod, who his own people were Jews, were encouraging him to kill off Peter, this leader, this key person in the church, because it was going against the Jewish faith. It was another religion which was causing threat to their religion. And equally, the Romans were concerned about their politics and their status quo being disrupted by this troublemaker, Peter. So his faith was very much on the line. And he'd seen his friend and fellow disciple, James, killed. I remember James and John were the people who said to Jesus, let us sit at your right hand. They wanted to sit with Jesus. And this meant suffering. This meant ultimate sacrifice. The way of Jesus is so often suffering and sacrifice, giving everything for the sake of the kingdom. The early disciples who did incredible things to Jesus were literally escaping death. It was exhilarating. It was exciting. It was faith-filled, but it also was hard and difficult and life-risking. And here's Peter, enchained, imprisoned. And at the same time we see in this passage, there's 
an early 24-7 prayer room. There's a house which says it's packed, it's rammed in some translations, full of people praying for the safe release of Peter, desperate for him to be freed, praying fervently the word that is used, praying desperately that Peter would be released. And there we see Peter miraculously escape. An angel guides and walks him out. An angel takes him to his prayer. And the comedy of this passage is often lost on us because when they instantly see Peter, the thing they've been praying for, they can't believe that he's actually being freed. How often do we do that? We pray for things, but don't actually believe that our prayers could be answered. We get surprised when God actually answers our prayers. This is why we stand together and intercede and pray together as one body, because we strengthen our faith when our prayers feel like they're not enough or able for God to be answered. We stand together and we intercede together. We claim the answers. We have faith to stand together. As a church, we want to grow in our intercession. We see throughout history that when Christians rise up and intercede and pray with expectancy for the supernatural, faith-filled prayers. We see incredible things happen. Over 70 years ago now, in the Isle of Lewis, we read about the Hebridean revival. Incredible, in the middle of the night, people would flock to churches. Non-Christians would just feel so tangibly the presence of God that they'd rush to church services and be there till four or five in the morning before going to work the next day. People would be working on the fields and they would tangibly encounter God and come to know him and have a personal relationship with him. Scores of young people became Christians. Now, even today, there's people on the island who became Christians back then because of the presence of God. What we see as we look closer into the detail of this story is that two elderly ladies on their in their eighties were on their knees praying that there would be a revival in the land, interceding that God would come and presence himself, that God would allow a revival to happen. When we see about Peter being freed from a prison, we realise that the prayer allows the angels to move. It's not the human activity that frees Peter. It's never our efforts that change lives and transform and build the kingdom. It's always the supernatural power of Jesus working through us. Their prayers allow the angel to free Peter. These women who are on their knees praying allow the presence of God to come and transform the island, to change lives for eternity. When we intercede, we see God change situations, change ourselves and even change his mind. Our intercession matters. We might want to intercede that someone else's illness would go, that someone would find a job, that a loved one would be freed from mental health. Very real and painful issues at times. But that's why we stand together and intercede together, arm in arm and press in. Because when one of us lacks faith, we stand together and recognise that it's hard, but we pray fervently, as this passage says, to believe for transformation, to believe for a kingdom of God to come, to believe that God can bring healing. Our faith is strengthened when we intercede together, when we stand together in prayer. Prayer changes situations. One of my heroes is a lady called Jackie Pullinger. Read her book, Chasing the Dragon, totally superb and challenging read. In her mid-twenties, she got on a boat 
And at the first place she felt it right to get off was Hong Kong. And she got off in the days way before internet and easy access to return home. She felt that she'd be there for the rest of her life. She got there in a very troubled and desperate situation because she said, God, just take me where your prayers will lead me. She goes to Hong Kong, this dangerous city, prostitution, crime, hardened criminals, and she intercedes. And if you read through her book, she says, when I started to pray in the spirit, I saw transformation, I saw healing, I saw restoration. It changes situations. It was incredible to see how God used her. She followed the lead of God, but also believed that it was him, not her abilities, that would allow prostitutes to come to know Jesus, allow his hardened criminals to meet their saviour. It was remarkable how God used this one lady and continues to see the city of Hong Kong transformed by the power of the Spirit. It changes situations, it changes cities, it changes circumstances, but it also changes us. David Wilkinson, a total hero of mine again, was living five hours outside of New York City. And he read in the front page of the paper that some boys had again been murdered needlessly by gun crime, by local knivings. And he felt challenged and convicted from 12 at night to two in the morning to pray that this would stop the prey, that this would come to an end. And he realizes that he's the answer to his problems. And cutting the story short, he commutes into New York, which is a five hour travel and five hour return journey. And he goes to meet these hardened prisoners, goes to these very dangerous and dingy places and tells them about Jesus. And I bet you that New York has been transformed because of the power of God working through his intercession, working through his endeavor to follow the lead of Jesus. He was the answer to his own problems. It often changes us as we intercede, it changes our hearts. And it also changes God. There is a paradox that God is all knowing, yet he also allows his mind to be changed. Naomi talked about this last week, but it changes God's heart, it changes God's mind. It's a paradox, it doesn't quite make sense to us humans. But we can wrestle with God, we can intercede with God, we can get angry with God, we can lament with God and say, God, change this, come on, do your incredible work through the power of the Spirit. It changes God, it changes minds. Let's be a church that intercede for our city. So how do we do this very practically? Pete Gregg in his book gives four very helpful steps. He says, the first thing is, is to get informed. Understand the context, know how to pray, know exactly how we can specifically pray. Understand the situation. Pray with informed prayers, pray helpfully. Get to know the situation, be informed. But then be inspired. I was out running in our local area and I say that because I don't really go running in a local area very often. I don't really go running that often at all. But when I went running, I was praying against the attacks of the enemy and said, Lord, please stop the drug problems in these tower blocks. Lord, please stop the domestic abuse. Lord, please ensure this school is no longer a place of unrest and damage. Please allow the families that are hurting to come to know you. And then I realised but I needed to stop just pulling out the weeds, but also sow seeds. 
I need to stop just pulling out the weeds, but also sow seeds. And I found myself lifted and praying, Lord, make this school a place of security, of vitality, where children would flourish. Make this area which is deprived flourish and that people would know affluence and wealth and health and goodness. Help this place to know family. Help this place to know the power of God working through their lives. I was praying blessings and hope into this situation, sowing seeds of hope. Lord, make this a place of peace. Make this a place of hope. We pray with inspiration and then we get indignant. We pray militant, defiant, passionate prayers. I can't imagine the people in that prayer room praying for Peter saying, Lord, if you're not too busy today, if you've got a bit of spare time, if your to-do list isn't too long, then please just help our friend Peter perhaps. No, they would have been saying, God, help our friend. He's going to die. Please save him. Please free him for the sake of your kingdom. Help him. They would have been praying earnestly, as the passage says. They would have been praying fervently. We pray indignant prayers. We cry out to God. We desperately call out to him. And the fourth part that Pete talks about is we do it instinct. We stand together and pray together. Listen, we are a church of a few hundred people. What would it mean for all of us to say, this is my stairwell, this is my block of flats, this is my workplace, this is my sports team that I'm going to intercede for. I'm going to believe the kingdom of God to grow significantly within. I'm going to pray for through this. And equally, we've got 30 plus communities in our church. What would it mean if this week every community was out prayer walking and saying, this neighbourhood will come to know Jesus. This poverty will come to an end. This injustice will cease. I want to see your kingdom grow here in Edinburgh. I guarantee if we all took that individually, seriously and seriously to the community, this city would be far more in the likeness of Jesus. This city would be transformed overnight. Yes, there'd still be challenges. Yes, there'd be more to do. But intercession matters. God hears our prayers. When we look at this early church in the prayer room, this first prayer room perhaps, we realise that they were all ages and stages, men and women praying. This isn't just for the experts. This isn't just for the intercessory team at church. This is for all of us praying indignant, praying powerfully, praying with expectancy. Intercession matters. How are you interceding? Oswald Chambers said this, the real business of your life is intercessory prayer. Prayer does not fit us for the greater work, Prayer is the greater work. Let's all believe that our lives, our communities, our city, our nation can be radically changed. That people can come to know Jesus. That incredible things can happen. Miraculous, supernatural things can happen as we turn to Jesus. This early prayer room, one of the first 24-7 prayer rooms, saw Peter freed, saw him escape from death, and he went on to lead the church in the New Testament. Wow, prayer matters, intercession changes lives for eternity. We're going to have a moment after worship where you can receive prayer in the chat and Naomi will direct you to someone who can pray with you and to pray that you would have an increased heart for intercessory prayer, that perhaps you feel inadequate or 
unable, but God would love to encounter you and to equip you to pray and to give your little offering and to change your heart so it's a beat with his. And let me pray for us now. Lord, I pray that we would be a church who intercede more than ever. I pray that we would see your kingdom grow in phenomenal ways, ways way above our bravest dreams in this city. And I pray it would start with me. It would start with us. I pray that Central Church Edinburgh would be known as a church of prayer. Amen.